football is here for us all. Hi and hello and welcome to the inaugural Football Fact Check. I'm Dave Damashek. Welcome to The Athletic's new venture in podcasting. One of a gaggle of new shows here on The Athletic just in time for the 2019 NFL season. The 100th year of pro football. I can't wait and thank goodness I don't have to wait, neither do you, much longer because it's about to kick off. The Bears hosting the Packers, the oldest rivalry of them all. A uh, a grand slate of Week 1 games upcoming for you. And uh, that's what this show is going to be all about, football, football, and more football. And uh, just a little bit about me for the most part. I do promise we're going to get to it. We're going to let you know everything you need to know over the course of two episodes every week all the way through the Super Bowl. And uh, just uh, quickly, like I say, a quick note about myself, just to let you know where I'm coming from. If you aren't familiar with my work and why would you be? I am not one of these 20th century allegedly objective curmudgeons who pretends that he didn't come to football by rooting for one team growing up and then just magically decided, hey, I like football. No, not a team. I just I just kind of like football. No, I actually like you. Grew up rooting for one team. That team happened to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. I grew up in Pittsburgh, PA, on the banks of the Three Rivers, uh, home of the six Lombardi trophies. And I hope you won't resent me or hold that against me on any level. No, like I say, I am you, you are me. I am the voice of the fan. And uh, I will be leaning heavily, therefore, on the experts out there all over Football America, employed by The Athletic, Uh, Some of the great minds who've covered pro football for the last several decades will be joining us here on Football Fact Check. Can't wait to dig in on them. And I really do abide by the philosophy that here in Los Angeles, where we're recording right now, surrounded in this room uh, by some fellows that I'll introduce you to in just a second here, um, we know a fair amount about what's happening here. Um, I also work over at the NFL, and so I'm fairly plugged in on what's going on in the 32 pro football towns, or I guess, wait, 30, because there are two in New York and there are two in L.A. Is that it? Yeah, right. That's about it. So 30 football towns in uh, in the U.S. of A., and, uh, and also big uh, college football fan, and we'll certainly not ignore college football along the way here. Um, but uh, we will be talking with uh, those experts, tapping into what they know, because they're the boots on the ground. And ultimately, I believe that the people in those locker rooms, day in and day out, bouncing off the players, off the general managers, coaches, and otherwise, they have a certain insight that we certainly can't um, lock into 32 times over. And so, like I say, we're looking forward to kibitzing with those guys. I'm going to introduce you to the fellas here in just a second, and I'm also going to unveil for you what you care about most, what's going to happen in the 2019 uh, season. I'm going to tell you how the seeds are going to lay out in both the AFC and the NFC. We'll get to that in just a second. But like I say, if you're listening to this show, then I can assume that you, like me, are a football diehard. And really, I don't know that we have seen an offseason as wild as the 2019 offseason has been. And it's kind of like I saw, I'm sure that a lot of you saw the Avengers Endgame movie, Thanos snaps and everybody uh, turns into dust or whatever. Or let's say roundabout, like I said, I was a Steelers fan. And so if you happen to remember the the um, Saints hosting the Steelers game, there was a bad call with two minutes to go against Joe Hayden that kind of uh, ultimately put the final nail in the Steelers coffin there. What if I went into a coma 
right there, you know? I What if I woke up, let's say I woke up just right this minute after a nine-month coma that started on Christmas Eve watching that Saints and Steelers game, and now I'm going to do some acting for you. All doctors to the ER. What? Where am I? Uh, was I in a coma for the last nine months? I'll find out about how uh, how the, the, the family, how the kids are in a little bit. But first things first, the most important thing. What did I miss in football? Did Tom Brady retire yet? Did the Rams and Chiefs play in the Super Bowl? Mm, half right. Chiefs Saints? Nope. Chiefs Bears? You were right about the Rams, but not KC. Don't tell me. Sorry. I didn't want to be the one to tell you, but I feel like I have to. Oh, no. The Patriots won the Super Bowl this year. Oh, sheesh. I guess it goes without saying the Steelers didn't win that game in New Orleans, huh? Nope. Makes sense. Road teams never get a call in the Superdome. <laughs> well, actually... I don't want to talk any more about last season. So, did Levy and Bell leave Pittsburgh? Yeah, he did. He's on the Jets. And Antonio Brown got traded, too. Wait, what? He threw a ball at Roethlisberger in practice. I heard Roethlisberger threw the ball at AB. Where'd he go? The Raiders. I guess that's good news he didn't stay in the AFC North. That's all Baker Mayfield would need. Well, they got Odell. Who got Odell? Cleveland. Odell's on the Browns and Browns a Raider? Yeah. I can't take it. Anything else you need to let me know about? Well, Flacco's on the Broncos. Shady's on the Chiefs. So is Frank Clark. Heisman winner Kyler Murray's a Cardinal. As Josh Rosen's backup? No, no, no. Rosen's a Dolphin. Where he's Ryan Fitzpatrick's backup. Earl Thomas is on the Ravens. Clowney's a Seahawk. Tunsil's a Texan. Foles is on the Jags. Well, sounds like the AFC South got better. Good things the Colts still have Andrew Luck. Yeah, no, he retired. I don't feel so good. Uh, hey, Shaq. Somebody call 911. And scene. Well, do you think that was good? That was A plus, Shaq. That was, uh, that's the voice of Cam you just heard right there. So why don't we go around the wheel real quick here and get to know everybody who's going to be joining us here on the Football Fact Shack. I mean, just, uh, you know, C minus work all the way around. And I'm including myself on that, <laughs> fellas, you know? Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's meet the gang here, uh, all big football fans as well. And we'll start it off with the man who I just said there. Um, tell, uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself there. Cam, where are you from? Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. Wichita, Kansas. Okay, and your favorite football team is? Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, so you're feeling pretty good going into 2019, right? Yeah, I'm really excited. Are you? Really excited. That's one thing I want to talk about in a little bit. There's one reason why I am concerned about the Eagles in 2019, and it has less to do with the on-field talent and more to do with the psyche of a key player on their team. I'll, oh, I'll get you. into that in just a second. Okay. Also, just to let the people know a little, a little bit about your favorite movie. This is kind of an odd one, but it's going to be Aliens. And I watched Aliens with my dad. As aliens. My, aliens, yeah, Aliens, the, the sequel to Alien. And I watched it with my dad. That was my very first rated R movie at like seven or eight years old, so it's always held a, a special place. Ah. Uh. That's nice. That's a special father. I know, it's heartwarming. Yeah, exactly. When, when your dad took you to gore before, right? When xenomorphs were you, popping out of people's chests because you could before you could emotionally grapple with uh, exactly. The I've been it. tormented ever since. All right. Well, that's sweet. That's yeah. very nice. Next up, let's say hello to Zuri. What's happening with you, Zuri? Hey there. Good morning. Where are you from? I'm from L.A. I'm local. Okay. And your favorite football team is? I am a Rams fan. Don't hold a it against me. Any interest in the Chargers? You know, uh, I dipped my toe in those waters a few years ago, but um, 
Uh, it'd be sacrilege. So ah, I like you already, Zuri. This right. is the way you need to be. You can't. You don't get to have. This is a, a syndrome that plagues many of the um, narcissists in the 21st century. Is that they think, oh, we have two teams in the same city. Well, now I I have uh, twice the fun. No, no, the sports gods did not give you two teams so that you have twice as good a chance of celebrating no it was a test for you you see oh thank you and you have passed that test you must choose one and detest the other it's not oh we would choose either team it's nice to see no no shame the devil i like it zuri your uh your favorite movie um you know i'm gonna go blazing saddle uh, i think we talked about that earlier but that hmm. silliest comedy it's a bold comedy. choice thank you oh yeah can't go wrong with Mel Brooks. I like that. And then there's Quincy over there. Quincy, what's what's the poop with you, fella? Hey, how's it going there? It's going well for me. Where are you from, fella? I am from Detroit, Michigan. Born and raised. Yeah? And so, don't say it. Lions fan? Oh, all my life. How can I not be? Well, I mean, there are a lot of reasons. Depending on how old you are, I would say, if you're 25, I would say I can give you at least 25 reasons why <laughs> you shouldn't be a Lions fan, the 25 seasons that you've been alive for, right? Yes, yes, I've seen it all. The ups and, well, no ups, just downs, right? <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> we're eagerly awaiting the ups. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, yeah, it's coming. All right, Quincy, and uh, and your favorite uh, your favorite movie? I'm going to have to go with Paid in Full. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Nope based on a true story set in Harlem, New York. If you ever get a chance, check it out. Paid in full. Mm -hmm. No idea. No idea. Never heard of it. And uh, probably I'm not going to watch it, but we'll see. And then also <laughs> joining us in the studio, ever so briefly, the man who yeah. makes it all go here. I just blocked Gabe. a little bit of time in my calendar for this, Dave. So, Thank you, uh, Gabe. Yeah, no problem. What a pro you are. I'm trying. We're, we're lucky to have you. We're, we're, thanks for having us in your studio. No, you're fella. welcome. Gabe, your uh, your little backstory. You heard what we were doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware. I'm uh, I'm from New York, and I uh, grew up a Jets fan. Ooh, briefly stopped being one when I moved out here to LA. Not for any other team, just because it was enough already. And uh, I'm officially back this year. I'm ready. Wait a second. You jumped off the Jets bandwagon in, in favor of no one. I didn't even jump on the Rams bandwagon when they were. So you what know, lured you back in then? I'm I'm gonna give Gase a try. I'm very Darnold. That's what won you over? Yeah, Gase. I'm a Gase guy. The googly eyes won you over at the press conference. That's my guy. He's All the, the one that's going to take us out of the desert. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that's what I'm putting my faith in. Not Darnold, because I'm an SC fan also uh, through marriage. So uh, I've gotten a good look at Sam Darnold. Not sold there. But I feel like Gase has helped some other young quarterbacks. Oh, I, Maybe he can do it. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I am kind of sold there. I think that Sam Darnold, if you buy the notion, and I don't think Adam Gase is a great QB whisperer, but I think that he's had some track record. Now, of course, if you want to play cynic on that, mm -hmm. you can say that when it's not Peyton Manning, Gase's track record kind of goes up in smoke. But I do think that he'll work well with the kid, and I like the understated weaponry around him. I like Levy and Bell standing behind Darnold in year two, and I do expect a golf-like leap forward from, although Goff was an abject bust after his rookie year, according to most. Mm -hmm. Darnold, at least, was promising in stretches here. I do think he takes it to the next level. The reason why is, are all the scouts wrong? How often 
are the scouts collectively wrong about a guy? I mean, I'm not saying that there's disagreement. Some guys beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but how often does the entire scouting community swing and miss on a guy? That is what would have to happen with Darnold in spite of Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson rising up and Josh Rosen's up and down, or I guess mostly down um, so far in his career. Sam Darnold was collectively the guy. He was the most talented kid. Were they all wrong about that? I think that we'll see Sam Darnold in year two take a big leap forward. Yeah, I question if all those experts you're talking about really watched him try to hold on to the football in most of those SC games. I know people saw some big games where he played pretty well, but you watch him like week three, a couple of those SC seasons, that ball's slipping out yeah. a lot. Well, as my pal Maurice Jones-Drew, name drop, uh, does uh, like to point out with Sam Darnold or with anyone else, the guy threw a lot of interceptions in high school, threw a lot of picks in college. Why would you expect at the highest level that's going to change now? I get it. I understand I understand the skepticism, but I do think that Sam Darnold is a little bit better. And by the way, Quinn and Williams alongside Leonard uh, uh, Leonard Williams is a uh, is a great place to start on that defense plus CJ Mosley, now Jamal Adams if you buy up the middle strength uh, equals defensive success, then the Jets defense should be quite a bit better. You know what? That leads me into it then. Nice to meet uh, all you fellas or get to know you a little bit better. We'll be bouncing off you throughout the show. Um, I I am not somebody, I'm not Rush Limbaugh, who likes to be the only voice. I encourage, nay, demand, fellas, that y'all jump in here as we move along. Um, Why don't I just lay it on you right now? Let me give you the seeds. The reason the Jets are not going to be one of the top seeds in the AFC is because they, uh, as you know, are in the same division as Tom Brady. And so long as Tom Brady is playing, I suspect that they will continue to win the division. I don't think that the Patriots offense is all that mighty this year, although Josh Gordon, if he is finally right now and consistent, I you know think he will splash alongside Julian Edelman and the, uh, and the spotty pieces. Otherwise, the big absence of Rob Gronkowski notwithstanding, I think that the offense will be fine. But I think for the first time in a while now, it's Belichick's defense that's going to be the star in, uh, in New England. Uh, however they get it done, you know they're going to win at least 12 games. I'm going to have them at 12-4, and four, and I'm going to give them the number one seed in the AFC. Next, I'll go with the second seed, the Chargers, also at 12-4. and four. This may shock some people. I just continue to not buy that Chiefs defense. New D.C., I don't think they did enough, though, to fix the, the D overall. The league, the defensive coordinators around the NFL have had a full offseason to study tape on Patrick Mahomes. Ergo, I think that uh, they're going to be a playoff factor, but I don't think that they win the AFC West. I think that the AFC in general is so loaded defensively. I, th- I, I The Chiefs are the exception to this. The good teams in the AFC, it's going to be a race amongst defenses. I think the Colts look mighty. Pretty much the entire AFC South, in fact, looks uh, looks strong defensively. Pittsburgh should be good. Cleveland has uh, some splashy defensive players. The Baltimore Ravens, you know, are going to be good in that regard. Um, and I think that uh, that the Chargers, even without Derwin James, if he can come back in December, maybe that will finally be the long-awaited smile from the football gods on the Chargers, who for some reason, I don't know why they put the, put the Chargers in the crosshairs, uh, a decade ago with the injury bug, but uh, they have stayed there. And uh, Derwin James is the latest pr- to prove that. But maybe if he comes back in, de- in December, he'll be the cherry on top of an already dominant defense. Look how they pa- rush the passer with Ingram and Joey Bosa being the big difference in the AFC West this year. All right, here's the big one. 
the AFC North, Browns are good, the Steelers are good, Tale of Two Football Cities, a, a Shakespearean kind of arc to this thing, is the Browns finally, it would appear, ready to rise, just as the Steelers, no Bell, no Antonio Brown, may be plummeting back to earth. Will they cross each other uh, as one rises and the other one falls? It's yet to be seen, but then also you have the Baltimore Ravens, the curveball of the NFL upcoming and whether or not uh, anybody can stop the Lamar Jackson run attack. Who's going to win the division? I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is not going with my heart. This is sincerely because I think the Browns undoing is going to be a lousy offensive line. That's going to be a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield already going to be feeling a little bit of pressure as he has to feed both Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. And on a human level, it's cool that those two guys who grew up together at LSU met at 18. The rumor is that those guys, even at LSU, didn't feel satiated all the time because the other guy was getting too many targets. How do you think that's going to play out now in the NFL with now millions of dollars informing it even further, plus David Njoku, plus other guys that want to get their touches there? I do think Miles Garrett will have a phenomenal year on an upgraded defensive line in uh, in uh, Cleveland. But I think that uh, the Browns will come in right around 10 games I'm going to have them at 10 and 6, but I'm going to put them as your sixth seed in the AFC. The Steelers, also with 10 wins, they eke it out, and they're going to get the division in the third seed. And then in the AFC South, you know about Andrew Luck, and uh, we'll get into that in just a second here. I think that uh, the Texans, I know there's a lot of hand-wringing about the long-term contract status of Laramie Tunsil having the Texans over the barrel. They gave away too much. Of course, you know that Clowney is now up in Seattle and uh, and Tunsil's arrived there. But the fact of the matter is, in our NFL now, we have reached full QB saturation, or just about. What I mean by that is, about five years or so ago, I said that it's sad and ironic that in a world of 7 billion people, that we can't find 32 human beings to play pro quarterback on a satisfactory level. And the gods heard me because uh, because now we pretty much have that. I mean, who's the worst starting quarterback in the NFL at this point? Case Keenum? I mean, I, uh, that's pretty bad, but if you t- and really, it should be Dwayne Haskins, and I expect that he'll be taken over there sooner rather than later. Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, if these are the worst available starting quarterbacks in the NFL, then it seems to me that we're in pretty good shape here. I mean, who's the median quarterback at this point? Matt Stafford, um, you know, Kirk Cousins, those guys are like, they're about league average quarterbacks. That's pretty good if you compare it to where we were five years ago. Either way, what the Texans got is one of the most, one of the hardest targets to land at this point is a dominant left tackle. There aren't very many of them out there. Laramie Tunsil is one, and he's young to boot. And what has ailed Deshaun Watson in that offense the last couple of years is the lack of a strong left tackle. Laramie Tunsil fi- fixes that. I think they have enough in a uh, in a strong AFC South to uh, to win that division. So they'll get that one. At, I'm going to say nine and seven. I mentioned the Chiefs still being very good, eleven and five. The Browns at ten and six, and uh, I think the I think the Ravens are a very good team that uh, misses out just barely at nine and seven. I think the Jets are also surprisingly good. They might even sneak in there at ten and six themselves. Maybe nine and seven. Maybe they barely miss out. In fact, 
Let me tell you about that very quickly because I think, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll wait on this. I was going to tell you why I what, what, the most important game in the month of September. I'm hinting at it now, but I'll wait. I'll tell you the NFC right now. I have uh, the Eagles winning that one. Congratulations, Thank Cam, you. in advance <laughs> on that one. They're going to get it at 11-5. and five. The Packers survived the NFC North. I know a lot of people are hip on the Vikings right now, but Kirk Cousins, really? Is Kirk Cousins definitely able to shoulder that? Yes, it was a feel-good story in D.C., but as the man making $30 million a year, the guy who has to make the big plays in the big spots, is he up to that task? Color me, uh, color me skeptical of that. I have the Falcons at uh, 10 and 6 winning that division. I have the Niners pulling a big upset and uh, beating the Rams and the Seahawks out to mm. steal the NFC North. I really like that defense. And again, do you think Kyle Shanahan it's fine to be cynical. It's fine to be skeptical. But remember 3 years ago when Kyle Shanahan was in Atlanta and they were making their push to the Super Bowl and everything else, he was an offensive genius on par or perhaps even superior to the boy genius Sean McVay. Has 2 years erased all that? Is Kyle Shanahan now a fraud? I say no. Yes, Sean McVay has now spawned many more uh boy geniuses across the NFL, allegedly at least. We'll see if uh, if any or all of them can rise to the challenge, including Sean McVay, who needs to bounce back after what was uh, an exposing Super Bowl. I, I feel like Belichick and Flores really called him on the play action. If you look at it, Sean McVay and the Rams use play action far more than anyone else in the NFL. Most teams, obviously, are running shotgun-based stuff at this point. Only the Rams ran more than 55%, I think, of their plays uh, from under center. And the Patriots also were over 50%, everybody else, in the gun. And play action only works if the running back scares the defense. And I'm not sure that Todd Gurley is. Color me, uh, I don't know. I question uh, how healthy the Todd Gurley knee thing is right now. And if that ain't right, then the whole offense, the whole philosophy kind of implodes a little bit or is going to need to be shaken up a little bit. I think that the the Kyle Shanahan remains a genius. And unless he misread Jimmy Garoppolo when he went out and got him from New England a couple of years ago, and that's fine. If Jimmy Garoppolo tends, uh, ends up being a bust, uh, I'll, I'll wear it. But I trust that Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick are right about a quarterback. They believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. And so I think Garoppolo... And that rebuild offense, finally Shanahan's gotten the pieces in there that he's wanted. And I think that they have enough on offense and the defense should be uh, should be plumb great. And so I say they win it. The other team that I think could really make a Super Bowl run out of the uh, NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. I have them at 11-5. and five. We'll see if Zeke shows up. He eventually is going to show up. Um, maybe they'll spare his legs uh, the month of September, maybe even the month of October, and he'll splash when he does arrive, and he'll be extra strong and extra tough to bring down from some worn-down defenders after uh, around about Thanksgiving and Christmas time. And then sneaking in the back door as the sixth seed, I'm going with the Chicago Bears. I've gone back and forth on them. Didn't know Vikings or Bears or someone else, the Seahawks or even the Rams. That's right, I'm putting the Rams outside the playoff picture. It's not necessarily Super Bowl hangover as much as it is what I already said. I also, Jared Goff's got some pressure on him going into 2019 after two games. When he went up to Chicago, if you'll remember that one on Sunday night, 
and got destroyed by that Bears in the cold. He really is classic Southern California boy, not built to play outside, and he got exposed in that regard. And like most human beings, he also proved that he does not like pressure. He does not like being put under physical pressure, and he didn't like the pressure of the big spot uh, that was the Super Bowl there. He made some ill-timed throws. He did not look great against that New England defense. And as most NFL teams do, they'll probably try and copycat a little bit of what Belichick showed in the Super Bowl. So Goff's going to have to rise in a big year for him if he wants to get that big second-year $100 million deal from the Rams. And I would not be stunned if Jared Goff doesn't get that um, in 2020 and beyond. So I'm going to put the Rams on the outside. That's my boldest prediction there. Um, and uh, and I also want to get into now some com- – do you want to get into the confidence list now there, yeah. Zuri? Yeah, uh, we can we can take a break. Well, first, I want to say you got a lot of stock um, in uh, Garoppolo. Um, it seems like this is like a make-or-break year for him and the Niners. You're, you really think that he's going to step I do up this th- year? I, I mean, I think that's right. I think if, if this doesn't work in 2019, I don't know that Kyle Shanahan moves on, but – you know, I mean, Garoppolo's at this point, what is it, eight starts, Cam? Something like something that? Something like that. It, I, something to that effect, yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, I could be wrong, but I am definitely swinging for the fences on this one. They have enough on offense in terms of uh, uh, weapons to use. The offensive line, not as strong as it was in the uh, Super Bowl uh, Jim Harbaugh years, but um, but still a little bit rebuilt there and looking much better than what it's been. That's been uh, an underlying uh, issue for them the last few years, but I do think it's uh, it it's probably in the upper half of the NFL at this point. Even when you see Seattle and their defensive additions and Ziggy Ansah and Jadavian Clowney, the trade they just made, you think that defense, that offense, that combination isn't enough to propel them to one of the top seeds in the NFC? I mean, if you think about, well, first of all, Ziggy Ansah's biggest problem is is health. I mean, at this point, right. you know, some guys just are star-crossed and, and they have a couple bad injuries in early in their career and then they get uh, tagged with the narrative injury-prone. But then they overcome. I mean, Fred Taylor's the best example of that. I mean, I think people still consider Fred Taylor injury-prone, even though in my book he should be getting a gold jacket in Canton right now and uh, because he was out. But other guys, just that's the story. That That's who they are. And Ziggy Ansa just can't stay on the on the field long enough to to be a a consistent factor there. Clowney's also been injured a bit, but I mean, yeah. listen, I, I I love the front seven. The, the linebackers in Seattle are great, and the secondary is pretty good um, since the days of the Legion of Boom. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty well rebuilt. I just don't know who's Russell who Russell Wilson's throwing the ball to. That was my biggest question mark. But I mean, Tyler Lockett stepped up last year, I like even him. without Doug Baldwin, and obviously Doug Baldwin's moved on to greener pastures. But I, I I feel he still has the weapons. I mean, even last year without Doug Baldwin, Russell Wilson had one of his best seasons statistically, one of the best touchdown to interception ratios in the league, and one of the highest QBRs. So I'm just curious if even though there may not be as much talent on the offensive side compared to a San Francisco maybe Russell Wilson has enough, especially in that backfield now, now that Chris Carson's established and you have, you know, Penny will chip in here and there. Pro size will. Do we know that he will though? I mean, that's the, uh, yeah, no, you're right. And we don't, and we no don't know if DK Metcalf's going to be anything right. and, and who's the tight end. I mean, you know, that's, that's weird. D- Dizzle, dizzy. I can't remember how to. Yeah. When it. you have to, when you have to think, think to is, summon <laughs> a starting NFL tight end, then he, he may not be very good. Um, but yeah, I, it's, and it's also telling 
that your pushback on me picking the Niners isn't about the team that just went to the Super Bowl. It's about the Seahawks. Right, yeah. And I think you made so many valid points about the Rams and also the fact, like, I, my mind immediately goes back to that shootout, Kansas City against Los Angeles, and one of their biggest aspects that they were hyping in the season was we have a great secondary, we have a great defense. Now we see maybe a bit more of a, a tattered secondary, and Dominic Sue's gone now, and we don't know about Todd Gurley. We don't know if he'll be able to sustain the level of play he had last year. Well, so that takes me to, you know how the confidence pools work? Everybody do confidence pools like you pick the games. Are we going to do one here on the show? Try. We're going to, Gabe, Gabe the uh, the boss man says that we're going to try to do that. Yeah, we're working out uh, the P's and Q's. You know, the suits are having a I'd like to it. do one. We'll do a weekly one. It won't be like a cumulative over the course of the season thing. Right. Give people a chance to compete each week. In the spirit of that. So anyway, yeah. So the game that's the easiest one to call. What would be the easiest game to call this week? I'm trying to think. Um, probably the Patriots at home against Pittsburgh. You probably feel pretty good about Tom Brady and his track record. Well, I'm I'm over-exaggerating. You're supposed to be like, no, the Steelers have a chance in that one. Uh, no, no. no, they don't? Okay. No. Well, let's say you're highly confident, and that would be your 16 game. I say the Patriots are going to win, and I'm so confident that's my 16 out of 16 games. The toughest game to call, ooh, Bears-Packers. I don't know how that one's going to go. I'll take the Bears at home. Ooh, but I just can't. It's a coin flip one. I'm going to take the Bears and give that the one. I'm going to look at some issues going in the NFL right now and uh, tell you how I think they're going to play out and I'll also issue my confidence that my forecast will come true. And we'll start it off with this in honor of you, Cam. You mentioned the Eagles. I already said that they will be the NFC's number one seed. Carson Wentz is, is to me, the X factor here. And this may be a little bit obvious to point out, obviously the quarterback, but really think about what his frame of mind. I know he's probably feeling a little more comfortable now that he is worth a hundred something million dollars, but it doesn't erase the last couple of years for him. He was on his way in a special Philadelphia Eagles season. They everybody was over the moon in Philly as uh, as they were winning game after game and Carson Wentz was leading the way. He was having an MVP caliber season. He was probably going to be the MVP then he breaks his leg playing the Rams. And Nick Foles comes in, and Nick Foles is he's fine. He's good enough for them to win games. But then he keeps winning the games, and then they they win the divisional round game, and then and they barely survive against Atlanta. Remember that Atlanta game? How close? Uh, right Julio back Jones, in the end zone, Julio Jones, Julio Jones Jalen Mills. His hands. Yeah. That could that could completely change. Uh, Rewrite history. The st- pretty much. Um, but okay, so they survive that game, then they win, then they win the title game, and uh, and all of a sudden. Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl. By the way, he beats the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, and all of Philadelphia goes wild, save perhaps Carson Wentz, who was asking, what if I hadn't gotten hurt? Would this be me? So he has those doubts creeping. Then last year, Nick Foles plays. He plays fine. Then Carson Wentz returns, and Carson Wentz is pretty good. He looks great for the most part. A couple spotty moments along the way, but still looks very good gets hurt again that's it for the eagles unless nick Foles can pull a rabbit out of his hat and here comes the rabbit nick Foles runs the table again i said at the time if nick Foles wins these last four games and gets this team into the playoffs all of philadelphia is going to be calling for nick Foles to become the starter of the team long term even though everybody with their two eyes can see that carson wentz is the more talented guy i was wrong because it happened in one game nick Foles won the one game and immediately everybody said well nick Foles is really and by the way these were the experts weighing in on this saying you know wentz 
better talent, Foles runs the offense better. And by the time the playoffs rolled around, I have it on good authority that the Eagles coaching staff agreed with that opinion. Nick Foles just gets what we're trying to do offensively. Then Foles wins one game. He wins that nail-biter in Chicago. All the cutaways to poor Carson Wentz standing in the ISO on the sidelines. The cutaways to him after every good Nick Foles play, as though he was supposed to react like uh, like he was the the spouse happy for his, uh, <laughs> his significant other doing well. Like, on his face he's like the forced smile and like the thought bubble coming out of his head like hey Nick keep it going man (laughs) we're all rooting for you man then they almost beat the Saints and thank goodness for Carson Wentz that uh, the ball went through Alshon Jeffrey's hands or I don't even know what his frame of mind would be maybe Nick Foles runs the table and wins another Super Bowl and then it makes you wonder would Carson Wentz definitely still be the man or would Nick Foles be down in Jacksonville still wearing that teal I don't know about that anyway it all amounts to this I think that Carson Wentz has a ton of pressure on him because he could go 14 and 2 and have an MVP season I still don't think it'll matter on some level if he doesn't get into the postseason and win one to three games, right? I would I would argue that he I would argue um, in a different direction. I think he's he's in best case scenario territory. Not only did he win the Super Bowl, not only did he get the fat contract, not only is he still the starter, but now he has motivation to go out and get his own super his own personal Super Bowl itself. So I think he's in a really good spot. Considering he's got all these other things. Yeah, but if he doesn't, but if he doesn't do that, he will have failed. That's right. But don't you want motivation to succeed? Don't you want to? No, I think some people do. I think some people (laughs) like that, but I don't think all human beings are constructed the same way. I'll refer you to Mark Sanchez. This Hmm. idea that like competition breeds greater success. That's true for some people and professional athletes do happen to have big chips on their shoulders and, and, and outsized confidence in themselves born from being the best athlete on any team they ever played on for the last 10 or 15 years of their lives. But some guys crumble when challenged. Mark Sanchez, they bring Tim Tebow into the jets and Mark Sanchez fell apart from that emotionally. So I don't think necessarily everybody thrives under under that uh, circumstance. Well, we'll see what the equation is for, for Wentz. I'm going to say Carson Wentz rising to the occasion. I'm going to give it, in confidence pool terms, a seven and a half. Is that fair? I think that's fair. The one thing that always comes to my mind is this is only his fourth year in the NFL. It's crazy, it's right? It's insanity. Absolute insanity. And considering he's missed the last half of that magical Super Bowl run and then later last year in which Nick Foles took the reins, just to think he only has one full season under his belt, and that was his rookie year. And even in that season, he was setting rookie records. So to think that he made such a drastic climb the year after, and he still showed out with maybe a bunch defensively last season that wasn't up to snuff and maybe weapons that are a little bit tattered and tired. And, you know, they had Nick Foles and the cadences and the passes were different for him to jump into that situation and still ensure Philadelphia was above 500 or at least make sure they were in the playoff picture speaks volumes. I I, think I, know, he, I don't I, know that they would have worked. I hear you, but I don't even know if they would have been a playoff team with without Carson Nick. Wentz. I gotcha. And I think Carson Wentz is one of the great talents uh, in the NFL, but also in an, a, 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 in a league now where there are so many good quarterbacks now, even compared to two years ago, where does Carson Wentz even, where, even factor in if you like to rank your quarterbacks and, and figure that uh, having a top 10 QB gives you an advantage on Sundays? Is Carson Wentz even a top 10 quarterback anymore? I think it's 
it's questionable at least and how he performs is everything not just in that division but in the NFC this year the thing that has completely thrown not just the AFC South upside down but the whole NFL and really allowed so many football players so many people in the media and otherwise to ascend up to Mount Pius so that they can look down on the rest of us mere mortals and tisk tisk and, and uh, virtue signal and, and wring their hands and like, why can't everybody be as good a soul as I am, is the retirement of Andrew Luck. First of all, Andrew Luck is, is a compelling figure who warrants the defense of so many people in the media and um, foot, serious football guys because before he ever played an NFL game, before he ever took an NFL snap, he was more or less kissed into the Hall of Fame. Greatest talent since John Elway, we were told, and perhaps he was. And on some level, I'm not looking to denigrate Andrew Luck, first of all, but was he as good as advertised? Can you say at the end of it, after he did get that team to the playoffs and he did cover up a lousy roster a lot of the time, did he carry that team a lot he absolutely did a terrible defense, largely unprotected. That's the story of his career more than anything is uh, is the bad job that they did of setting him up for success. But still, that's the career that he's had. And have, had he played another three years, would he definitely be a Hall of Famer? I compare him all the time to Cam Newton. And, you know, I've been saying this for five years now. Cam Newton is the superior, I mean, in terms of resume, Cam Newton has had a better NFL career. People get very upset with me when I say that. I get very upset with football players and the media condescending to the fans who were in the stadium the night that Andrew Luck's retirement was announced. It was, it was you know, Schefter let that news out of the bag, the cat out of the bag early. Andrew Luck is standing on the sideline. These fans are up in the stands two weeks before the start of the season and a promising one at that. There are a lot of people out there picking the Colts to make a Super Bowl run out of the AFC. And again, two weeks before the season starts, they're looking on their cell phone, standing in the stadium, seeing Andrew Luck in street clothes on the sideline, watching the rest of the team and they're saying wait it says here Andrew Luck retired what what happened they're asking their pals and everything and then Andrew Luck's walking off the field and they're like what I don't even know that they were booing him I think they were saying like Andrew don't do it don't do it. there are a lot of words that rhyme with boo Drew Andrew don't do it you know what boom I'm bemused I think that's what they were really doing and by the way that's a human instinct that of course by the, even if, if you've spent money on them, too. I, I, I like how that is irrelevant. We fans are supposed to support players who got to get theirs because this is a dangerous game. And so we're supposed to support, uh, support their contract holdouts, even though it hurts what we're interested in largely, which is uh, the team's success. Okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm down for that. I'm, I support the, the working class at any level. I like... Uh, players getting their way. I wish on some level that we could figure out a way for players to get to choose where they play football coming out of college from the word go rather than it being assigned to them via draft. But I know that that is murky stuff and that's a conversation for another time. Let's save that one for February. But in the meantime, fans are expected to only genuflect. They're not allowed to be upset. They, they've they paid for season tickets. Uh, uh, some of them on the assumption that they're about to watch a Col the Colts make a Super Bowl run. 
And so they were frustrated, maybe even angry. Like, what? You can't retire? You're 29 years old, man. That's, all, that. in my book, have at it, fans. You are human beings, just like the players are, just like the media is. And this condescending tone that it's, it's mean-spirited, yeah, that's a straw man's argument. We all get that booing other human beings and saying mean things to other people is, in fact, mean. But if you want fans to buy in leagues and professional athletes and media, if you want to condescend the fans, that's going to have diminishing returns. And at some point, it's going to lead you to nobody caring at all. Why would fans should not there? They, they can only applaud. Is that the, is that the message that booing tisk tisk? Don't you know what Andrew Luck's laid on the line for this sport? <laughs> he once went out there, he peed blood and he played the game anyway. And you stupid people booed him. It's a little bit harsh to come down on those Colts fans. Caught surprised. Maybe a little bit tipsy. Maybe they were in their cups a little bit. Maybe they had a few beers. Maybe they're talking to their pals. I can't believe we just spent this much money on season tickets. And now we're not going to get, now we got Jacoby Brissett, not Andrew Luck. (laughs) We're feeling unlucky. Boo. You know, something like that. It's fine in my book. And by the way, for all the people virtue signaling who've ascended up to Mount Pies to defend the honor of Andrew Luck, I've got two things for you. I deserve a penthouse. You can stay on the first floor because I think Andrew Luck can retire even if he didn't pee blood. I think if Andrew Luck decided that he wants to be an architect or a competitive eater or anything else, that's his right as a human being. I don't care if he has suffered the the minimum standard of injury by your measure. I think if he doesn't want to play football anymore, that's his right. So that makes me better than you, stinkers. <laughs> and the other thing is, too, as, as this, this pick and choose of like who deserves your defense and who doesn't. What if Cam Newton did this? If Cam Newton had done the exact same thing that Andrew Luck just did, I do not suspect that uh, that the media and football players all over the place would be saying, Andrew Luck can do whatever he wants. People would be outraged if the guy in the silly hats in post-game uh, press conferences, <laughs> the, guy who's, the, the guy who dabs and all that stuff, because they perceive these to be indicators of him not caring as much as Andrew Luck, he would be vilified if he walked out on the Carolina Panthers two weeks before the season. Yeah. Um, one, one interesting note, I was looking at their numbers. Uh, completion percentage as far as career. Andrew Luck ended his career at 60.8. Cam Newton, 59.7. So a lot closer than I, I had imagined. I mean, listen, the bottom line is go, Cam Newton, people always poo-poo this when I say this. If Cam Newton plays two more years, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He had the greatest rookie season for a quarterback in NFL history. Maybe in the ensuing years, that's been uh, thrown off a little bit, but still, it's in the top two or three that you've ever seen statistically and otherwise. He also, people say, well, that was his one good year. No, he had an MVP season. He went 15-1, and throwing the ball to Philly Brown and Ted Ginn Jr., he went to the Super Bowl at 15-1 and one. because he didn't fall on a fumble. This discounts the entire MVP season that he had. I say no. He's won three divisions. He is, uh, statistically, he is an abnormality because the usual measurements you would apply to Cam Newton um, don't really work with other quarterbacks. But, I mean, the bottom line is he's the greatest running quarterback in history. His touchdown total on the ground alone is going to stand out when it comes time to evaluate his resume. Plus, like I say, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Super Bowl appearance, and the rest. Cam Newton's going to the Hall. Andrew Luck isn't. Both guys can retire whenever they want, and fans can boo whenever they want. Does that make it ugly, or is that, uh, or does that uh, indicate that they're deluded? 
my indication was that uh, football fans are deluded and uh, sports fans are deluded when grownups started wearing the names of other grownups on their backs in support of them. You want that. Yeah, you want that kind of passion. Along with that comes disappointment when it doesn't go your way. I, I, I'm unclear exactly on why fans need to be condemned here. I'm going to give that. I don't even know how I give that a confidence level, but I'm going to put 10 on it because I like that. I like my opinion. That seems automatic. I don't don't even know exactly what I'm evaluating on that one. Was there something there, Cam or Zuri, that I'm forgetting that I was trying to uh, establish a prediction for the four? I'll I'll put this little spin on it. I think the Colts can still be pretty good. Is that a little tepid (laughs) add-on at the back there? You started strong. Uh, We ended tepid, but uh, we'll Okay. I, I I, I love that Colts defense. I think that's rugged. I don't know that Marlon Mack, maybe by the time you're listening to this, they've added more of a uh, banger between the tackles kind of guy because that's what they need um, to uh, to offset the loss of Andrew Luck. But, you know, you always hear about complimentary offense when you have a really great defense. You know, that's what they need. They need a playmaker in Marlon Mack, but they need somebody who can uh, allow them to grind uh, gr- grind uh, the foes in uh, in tight games in the fourth quarter and play a little bit of keep away and turn it back over to the defense. But all right. Um, next, I will say, here's, here's a big question with... Uh, with the AFC North, with the AFC, with the lay of the NFL land. You saw it in the second half last year when Joe Flacco went out. Lamar Jackson in the short term, a revelation. With Joe Flacco in there, the Ravens would not have made the playoffs last year. With Lamar Jackson, they did, and they were a curveball because they ran sort of a modified wishbone kind of a thing, and now they're leaning into that uh, even more in 2019. And you know the name brand losses from the defense, but I think they're just fine on defense. The secondary remains perhaps the best in uh, in the NFL and probably up- upgraded with Earl Thomas over Eric Weddle at this point. Um, but I, the Lamar Jackson, mid-80s, Barry Switzer-style wishbone attack with Lamar Jackson, if nothing else, imagine being a defensive coordinator in the NFL and scheming for 15 other games in the past happy NFL, and then saying like, wait, what? What do we have to do with it? This guy's going to run the option. And the reason I think it will be a, you know, overall success, the reason I think at the end of it, whether they make the playoffs or not, that you'll say, yeah, that was that that I, I think uh, went well for Harbaugh and company, is the running backs behind Lamar Jackson. Think about Mark Ingram, what, uh, you know, hard, straight-ahead, uh, athletic runner that he is. Then the dodgy, shifty guy, the the rookie Justice Hill coming in there, plus Gus, Gus Edwards, who's just a straight-up banger of a running back. And Kenneth Dixon is kind of a blend of uh, of a couple of those descriptions that I just laid out there. That's going to be a lot for a defensive player individually to try and manage. Who Lamar? And by the way, Lamar Jackson, one of the great runners in the league too, against a, behind a good offensive line, running at you, running at the edge. Wait, the quarterback might keep it. He's one kind of runner. And wait, who's behind him and assessing who the running style of the guy behind that? Plus, you have Hollywood Brown, who is maybe this side of Tyreek Hill, the fastest guy in the NFL, maybe even faster, running behind you. You have to send somebody with him. He's going to draw somebody deep and out of the way who's who's uh, irrelevant in tackling the ball. So I think this amounts to the Ravens offense working. And I wouldn't want to, I mean, again, the defensive coordinator trying to plan the week of like, 
forget everything. We've got to focus on what the Ravens are doing. That alone is a handful for the teams around the league to have to play with. And I, I and I suspect, uh, like I say, that at least nine times over, I think the Ravens will come out on the winning side of things. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give that one a seven, eight. I'm going to give it an eight. Right. Is that fair? I, fair. They're just, in my experience, there's been so many other running quarterbacks so many other running quarterbacks in NFL history. Like you had Michael Vick, you toss and Randall Cunningham. Now you have Lamar Jackson, potentially Kyler Murray, Cam Newton. The only difference is the system. It's not as if defenses aren't accustomed to a scrambling quarterback. How, how much different can it be? Because it's not direct snap back to him. If there's nothing there, take off with the ball. This is, this is an entire uh, all-consuming philosophy that the Ravens have adopted here. Like I say, I mean they're basically going Barry Switzer, all they're, in. Yeah, I mean they're, they're, this is this is the offense. Stop it. Now the downside to that is, as I always point out, is in the NFL, especially in the 21st century, with everybody hitting mid 20s or 30 uh, points a game, the the notion that well this offense isn't built to come from behind. The pushback on that is, well, that's pretty stupid to build your <laughs> offense that way because mm-hmm. you're going to fall behind in some NFL games at some point. You need to be able to rally. I ju- I can just see the, like I say, it's such an anomaly to prepare for that it's going to catch some percentage of teams off guard. Then again, I, I mean, listen, just to play Devil's Damashek against my own point and be on your <laughs> side, uh, Cam, is the look at what the, how the Chargers uh, in, in December they played them. And they kind of got steamrolled by the Ravens' uh, running attack, although the Chargers made a, a push there at the end of even that first game. Then they see each other again in the playoffs, and the Chargers just completely shut Wipe it down. Wipe the floor with them. Right. They just shut it down. Like, all right, we've seen this. We know how to stop it now. But that first look that you get on them might be enough for the Ravens to succeed in 2019. I got to think and in fact i've heard uh, some whispers to this effect that they understand that they're not if they're running this offense they're never a 13 and 3 team but the plus side of that is that they're never a 4 and 12 team either they're always going to be right around that median the wild card picture they're all playing this style of ball they're always going to be in that spot but um i do think it will succeed in uh, okay. in 2019 to some degree um next the bucks i mentioned them i mentioned uh or you mentioned, uh, I think it was Cam, you mentioned uh, JPP. He's now back, or no, you mentioned Indomic and Sue. Right. He's there. Right. I like, I think they have some nice pieces on defense. Not enough to uh, to be a high-end one, but I do think that uh, Bruce Arians in our world of alleged QB whispers, guys who have success in one place with one really good quarterback, somehow can survive for the next 15 years as being a guy. Oh, he works really well with quarterbacks. I think Bruce Arians is actually one of the few guys who is that. And I think you'll see, I mean, look at his last two stops as a uh, a head coach. And before that, coaching up Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Then he goes to Indianapolis. And you'll remember um, that he really had to step in there um, and uh, and run the heat for basically half a season and let a playoff push there in Indianapolis in the early days of Andrew Luck. And then he moves to Arizona, and you know what happened there. And Carson Wentz was his quarterback there. I mean, you know, I think that Jameis Winston is a legit talent, and I think you'll see Bruce Arians bring that. And I, I'm going to give that one confidence level. Are the Bucks going to make a playoff run? Not in that division, no. But will Jameis Winston look like a different quarterback and a much better one eight i'm gonna give that one 
I wonder how should we define uh, a much better quarterback or a different quarterback? I'll let you know. Okay. Cool. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. About about a quarter of the way through the season. I want all these are all these you're putting in a time capsule, you see. That's right. After this show, Zuri, you and Cam and Quincy too. I want you all to get your shovels like in uh, in Goodfellas. You can stop off at one of your mom's places and and uh, eat some late night uh, gabagool or whatever. <laughs> then I want you to go dig a hole and then I want you to throw all these guys in there and then again like Goodfellas you're going to have to dig them back up and see if they're uh, if they're still right okay. in like a month, two months, whatever. We'll do it. We're going to steady right? cam to follow us as we uh, make our way through. All right. I like that. It's yeah. a deep cut joke for no reason. I got, I got it. I got it. I, know, I know Scorsese's work. Yeah. Very nice. Um, and uh, any more of this? Should we still hold on to some of these for later in the week? What do we think? Well, you want to maybe hit Jets and they'll googly eyes? Well, I do want to do that for Gabe. He is the boss after all. Uh, the Jets, I think, that's right. I did promise I would get to this. Yes. So um, I think that they have an outside shot at the playoffs. And I think you will know by the end of week two whether or not they're a bona fide playoff contender because the big game to circle, at least in the first couple of weeks, is the one against the Browns because the Jets go Buffalo at home. I think they, I mean, the Bills could be good too, but if they can take care of Buffalo at home, then vanquish Baker Mayfield and company, then it's on. That could be a game that you look back at, and I'm saying right now that it will be one you look back at round around round about the holidays, and the winner of that one will have the edge over the other. The Browns and the Jets, whoever wins that shootout between those two 2018 first-round draft picks, Baker and Sam Darnold, and probably the two best of that group, um, I think gets a very early jump on the push for for a wild card spot or a division title, I guess in the in the case of the Browns, but I really do like up the middle the idea of C.J. Mosley uh, joining that defense right in the middle there. Jamal Adams is one of the great defensive stars in the league, and then their defensive front should be all over uh, stuff. Both, I mean, Quinnen Williams and Leonard Williams um, are respectively potentially dominant guys and out there rushing the passer and stuffing the run. And then I like the pieces that they have in Robbie Anderson for no one's a no one's a legit number one. No one's Julio Jones out there, but I like Robbie Anderson and I like uh, Jamison Crowder. And I think they have enough at, at the pass catcher when you throw in Levy and Bell and Bilal Powell and Ty Montgomery uh, in the run game that they can really make some hay in 2019. And the main reason that you think that that the two the two detractors for that are one they're in the Patriot in the Patriots division and two um their their coach is Adam Gase who when we met him a few months ago or were reintroduced to him he had them googly eyes and so that shakes your confidence a little bit but and three they're the Jets and yeah. legitimately I think when you see that name brand you think oh well yeah, that can't work out for the Jets but I think in this I think this time around it just might okay be. see so that last point though is the only really salient one. I know, but that's voodoo. You see, but every time we predict a season, a Jets fan and also a Mets fan, so stung all year long. Ooh. Yeah. The, you didn't that, have to. If you grew up in New York, you knew the Giants and yeah, the Yankees. They were there for you. You could have taken them at any point. Totally. Um, and then now I'm in L.A. and I could be bailing. And Did you have self-esteem issues growing up or something? Why would you do that? It's a longer story than there's, there's uh, time for okay. in this podcast, but I actually converted from Yankee fandom to Mets fandom. Oof. Willingly. Anyway, back to the, the point here. Uh, if everything goes right and all of those marginally decent pieces outperform, 
then maybe they could compete for the division is like every season's prediction for the Jets. And so the optimism is kind of pointless for us because those yeah, things won't happen. Like there's some crazy enthusiasm that buzz across football America about the Jets. I'm, I'm telling you, they're a little okay. under the radar right now, which is good. If they hadn't gotten Levy and Bell, well, I mean, Levy and Bell's uh, presumably a major piece of yeah, them yeah. rising up a little bit. And by the way, I think this is his best year sure. that he has left. I mean, he's uh, there, there's very little. I, I'm hard to really compare because not very many high-end running backs just take a year off in the middle of their career. Maybe he'll be refreshed, but there isn't a ton of evidence that you can get that much work in back-to-back seasons and keep on thriving uh, long-term. He, he got a lot of work in his last couple of years in Pittsburgh. Maybe his legs are born anew, though, from sitting around on the jet ski for a year. Well, let's hope. I will be at that game you mentioned. Oh. So the Tuesday morning uh, afterwards will be a tricky one for me, but I will come back here and report to you on our Wednesday show that week how it all went. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Um, that's the confidence list for, I guess, our first time. We'll keep, should we keep doing that, Cam? No, I loved it. I, I thought all your Don't patronize good. me. Quincy, shoot straight with me. Was that all right? Uh, just all right. Okay. But I think good enough to keep going with it. We should keep going with it then. Okay. I thought it was good. I thought I gave you a legitimate, honest answer. I thought it was good. I think Quincy, I mean, I think uh, Cam gets a 10 for his response. Quincy, I think you got uh, some work to do in getting to know Dave. Dave likes positive affirmation. Oh, man. Dave would not respond well like we were talking about. Some guys like being challenged. Dave doesn't like being challenged. Get on the confidence list. <laughs> Come on, Come man. Come on, Q. Give the, the confidence list ultimately is about Dave's confidence. You I'm gotta... here to challenge you all season, Dave. <laughs> all right. Okay. That's the posture you want to take, Quincy. <laughs> That's fine. Zuri, break the tie. It was the greatest segment ever recorded. Uh, see, that goes see that's a that's too kissing. That, 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 goes, that goes too far. That goes too far. All right. I'll find um, a minute ago. All right, you know what? Uh, I'm very excited for many reasons to be uh, to be doing this podcast this year. One of uh, one of those reasons is uh, the high quality of uh, of colleague with whom I get to work. My new friend, or my old friend, but my new colleague here, Jeff Schwartz, has a podcast as well. Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. Is going to make you a smarter football fan. Period. And I know what I'm talking about because I know Jeff Schwartz, and he is a smart man about some things. He doesn't know that much about food, especially for a man of his uh, his ample size, but he does know football, so you do want to make sure you check him out twice a week. Jeff wades through a sea of misinformation, hot takes, and theories, basically anything social media has to offer to dissect and correct as only an eight-year NFL veteran can. Subscribe at theathletic.com slash smarter than you. That's theathletic.com slash smarter than you. And a point of interest for the listener, Jeff Schwartz will be making appearances on this show. So subscribe to this one and to his, and we'll do home and homes throughout the football season. Thanks. And now it's time for Swipe Right. All right, we're going to do some games here on the show, and uh, it's time for our first one ever. Zuri, what are we doing here? What is swipe right? I know the phrase swipe right. I know it uh, it makes me a ne'er-do-well in the 21st century if I'm doing this jazz of chasing girls on uh, on my cell phone. That's about the extent of what I know. Yeah, you're on the right track. We're playing a game called Swipe Right, and it's a dating game we're adapting for the football world. I'm going to present Dave with two players without giving Dave the names of the players, and he's going to have to choose 
which player he's going to swipe right on. And the other player, he's going to have to swipe left. And when I swipe right, that means I like these guys. You're just going to describe these people to me. I will give you three sentences on each player, and you will have to make your choice when I'm done describing both players. Okay. But you're not going to tell me the name, and that's the intrigue. That's the game show element of it, is that you're gonna, I'm going to have to decide which guy is better based on the description, not the name brand. That's correct. It's I got gotcha. you. It's okay. a blind date. Blind resume. All right, all right. I don't need over-explanation. Let's do it. Instead of chasing girls, you're chasing football players this time, so make sure you pick the right one. There you go. Okay. All right. Starting with player A. This player was drafted in the fourth round of the 2012 NFL Draft. He finished his college career as his school's all-time leader in passing touchdowns, passing yards, and QB rating. And he's thrown for 4,000 yards four years in a row. And in 2015, he led the NFL in completion percentage. Player B. This player was drafted by the Texas Rangers in the 2012 Major League Baseball Draft, though he didn't sign. He set franchise rookie records in passing attempts, passing completions, passing yards, and passing touchdowns. And his completion percentage has improved each season he's been in the NFL. Well, I mean, should I show how smart I am by telling you who those people are, or do you want me to play the game? I'd like you to play the game, Dave. I'm going to swipe right on the ladder... Uh, description because that latter description is of course Super Bowl champion Russell Wilson okay, okay. correct we have our first incorrect answer <laughs> player B that's is not that... right he was drafted by the by the Texas Rangers that's right who drafted Russell Wilson there's then? another quarterback in the NFL that was also drafted by the Texas Rangers and that's Jameis Winston Ah, oh, yeah, no. And the first one, the one who I swiped left on, I guess, then, is Kirk Cousins, you right? You swiped left on Kirk Cousins, that's correct. I figured as much. Yeah, how many guys have thrown for 4,000 yards and were fourth-round draft picks um, or lower? Okay, well, Sal, see, color me uh, a little better informed. How do you feel having made those picks? I mean, you know, now do I... I You know what? I think Jameis has a big 2019... In a world, as I've already said, in a world of so many phony QB whisperers, Bruce Arians is, in fact, the genuine article. And I think you are going to see a little bit of a transformation from the Heisman winner of whatever year that was when he led Florida State to the national championship through that touchdown pass to Kelvin uh, Benjamin. Is Kelvin Benjamin in the league in 2019? I don't want to get sidetracked, but I do expect Jameis Winston to turn his uh, his career around a little bit and at least edge ever so slightly ahead of Marcus Mariota in the QB race from that year when they were drafted one and two. So far, those two guys are combining to kind of buck the tradition. Usually when QBs go one and two in the draft, one guy soars and the other guy flops. So far, both of those guys have been kind of meh in the NFL. I think Jameis Winston, like I say, takes it uh, a little bit higher, while Marcus Mariota, I predict, doesn't even start every game. I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Tannehill outsnaps him in Tennessee this year. Wow. Just doing a little housekeeping. Jameis won the Heisman in 2013, and Kelvin Benjamin's still a free agent. So still, looking still for out there, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, he likes his food. Any thoughts on Kirk Cousins this year? He swipes right a lot on uh, pizzas and stuff. Any thought on Kirk Cousins? Well, as I said, you know, I, I really had the Vikings... I thought they were going uh, up until this weekend. I sincerely thought the Vikings in 
a muddy NFC North. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the thing. I think Dalvin Cook is the key to that offense to some degree. And yet, I do think as we've reached just about at least full QB saturation here in the NFL, I don't know that Kirk Cousins is in the top half quarterbacks in in the league. And despite having those high-end pass catchers that he has and Mike Zimmer's great defense and, like I say, Dalvin Cook back there, I think that that's ultimately going to be the undo- their undoing because Kirk Cousins, a lovely man, I don't know that he's a high-end NFL quarterback, and I don't see any reason necessarily that that's going to change despite the fact that he's going to be probably in a little more cuff- comfortable offense running a Gary Kubiak-style run-heavy offense. That still is not going to disguise the fact that at some point in the 21st century, your quarterback must make big plays, and I don't know that Kirk Cousins is going to be able to match up with Matt Nagy's offense or with uh, the great Aaron Rodgers. Fair enough. Do do we think that passing yards are a little overrated now? Well, you need look no further than than, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. He had a career high in passing yards in 2018. That didn't make 2018 his best year as a as an NFL quarterback. So yeah, I mean, that's uh, just one example off the top of my head. Yeah. It's, I mean, obviously it's instructive to some degree, but uh, I, I, I don't think it's the end all be all obviously. All right. Well, that was swipe, right? I just like to say that there was a needless swipe at Kelvin Benjamin in there. <laughs> yeah. What's he done? Well, I mean, nothing, but what? A, no, what no, else? no. He's been very busy. He's very, very busy in the eating department. That, that was the, the dig I made at him there. <laughs> Just like he digs into into the all seven layers of uh, of that seven layer nacho dip, right. you know, that was too far. Am I injuring his chances of no, he's just a return getting, to the NFL? He's like the Lieutenant Weinberg in the Few Good Men scene. Like he's just sitting there minding his own punching business. down. Is it feels like it? Hey, you know? Listen, yeah, he's he's uh, maybe he's destined for the XFL. There's a whole new league for him now. I mean, he's still 28 years old. I could see him coming back and sticking it to you by the end of this season. We might be talking about Kelvin Benjamin by week eight. Should I hold my breath right now? No, until he comes not. back. No, I, I no. don't think so. Now, when I when I when I do uh, fill my cheeks with air and hold my breath, I do resemble Kelvin Benjamin's belly, though, don't I? <laughs> Why are we doing? What, what what did Kelvin Benjamin do? I agree. Why are we attacking him for his? Uh, you shouldn't be his issues. I'm I, I'm done with it. I'm not going to be that guy. No. I won't be that guy. Do you dream about Stefan Diggs? When you think of Kirk Cousins, do you say to yourself, I like that? Well, then check out Straight Cash, an all-new Vikings podcast from writers Chad Graff and Arif Hassan. They break down the latest news and information on the Vikings with new episodes twice a week during the season. That's Straight Cash on TheAthletic.com and The Athletic app. I don't like it. I love it. Um, now, uh, of course it is essential and I mean it to please drop me a line on social media at Damashek, uh, on Twitter and, uh, otherwise I definitely want and uh, need to hear from you to make sure that we're headed in the right direction. And I like, uh, kibitzing with you about, uh, all pro football related matters and to keep you involved, um, and keep your attention. How better to do it than to give you some free junk? How about that? Well, no, it's not junk. It'll, well, I mean, okay. I mean, it's not, it's not pieces of gold either. Somewhere in between. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to talk place kickers and uh, use the hashtag WinSheckStuff, W-I-N-S-H-E-K, stuff, on Twitter. So drop me a line using that hashtag, WinSheckStuff. Tweet me the name of the place kicker 
who will hit the longest field goal of week one in a game. So if Carly Lloyd does it in a practice session, that unfortunately doesn't count. And by the way, my pal, Handsome Hank, uh, with whom I work at the NFL, made a great point about that since everybody's weighing in on, uh, on whether or not women should be allowed to kick. If it's okay, in the 80s, half the guys went out there without shoes or socks on. If everybody was so worried about uh, the physical well-being, would that have been allowed? I think it's okay for uh, for and and the other thing, the other point that everyone else has already made, but I will uh, add to it. Since when have kickers ever been? Uh, does, who makes the team or doesn't been like? Yeah, he's a good tackler. That is just never. I refuse to believe that any head coach was ever talking with the special teams coach and saying, boy, coach, I mean, they're they're both just so good. They're the kickers. It's hard to make a call. Which one tackles better? Like, okay, we'll go with that guy. I just don't think that that was ever a factor in anything. I, it's interesting that everybody now is is, is suddenly so concerned about the well-being of, uh, of putting a woman out there if, on the field. If you're a better tackler, you're probably a worse kicker. I think that's how that equates. That's an interesting hypothesis you throw out, too. I don't know how we would test that. But either way, um, so you will win the uh, you'll win a little bit of swag from the athletic if you uh, if you correctly get this. The hashtag win check stuff on Twitter. Um, again, the kicker who will kick the longest week one field goal, the winner with the correct or closest to answer without going over. Do we want to do it with go over? What are we? The price is right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. If you go over, then you're out. Remember, tweet me your guess. Hashtag uh, win check stuff to enter. That's what we'll do with that. And then we'll do a second podcast for you coming up on Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe, download, comment, do all the stuff you're supposed to do. You can obviously, if you're listening to it, you already figured out how to find it. Be a deer. Spread the good word. Tell your pals to subscribe. And if you hate it, actually make your enemies subscribe and tell all your family to do it and uh, and uh, tell them to tell their friends to do it as well. And get in. Let's get uh, let's get um, this thing going here. Football fact check. Let's build it up real big and nice. And uh, like I say, later in the week before the games kick off, including the Packers at the Bears. We'll let you know all the winners coming up in week one. We'll make you a little bit smarter. We'll tell you all the final scores of those games. We'll tell you who's going to be the stars in those games. We'll get this table set for you in front of week one. It's here, everybody. We made it. Football season has arrived, and so too has the football fact check. Great stuff from Zuri, from Quincy, from Cam, and from Gabe. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll be back in just a couple days with more hooey and applesauce for you. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.